You know, when I was a kid, uh, my dad and mom would occasionally go away. They'd go on trips, sometimes out of the country to the islands. I remember one time that specifically they went to London. Um, <clears throat> they'd go away, and then when they'd come home, we'd be so excited. They'd come in the door, and my siblings and I would all run to the door screaming, Daddy's home and Mommy's home, and we'd be so excited to see them. And then the next question would inevitably, inevitably follow. And I'd say, what did you bring us? What did you bring us? What did you bring me? <clears throat> my dad would throw his arms up and say, I brought you me. And we'd say, yeah, sure. Come on, Dad, what did you bring us? Oh, I didn't get anything. They'd pick up their suitcases and they'd walk into the bedroom and start unpacking and we'd kind of sneak in looking like, what, did you get us anything, really? Sure enough, something would come out of the bag. Oh, I, I think I did bring you this. We'd be so excited. And now I have kids of my own. <clears throat> and with kids of my own, it, it's the same way. Sometimes I go on trips and I come back and my girls are so excited. Daddy's home, daddy's home. Dad, what did you bring us? And I say, I brought you me. And my girls, they're so great. They say, and that's all we need. <clears throat> I, wish, I wish that were true. I wish that was the way it played out. No, you, you know what it's like. You, you probably have memories of the same thing. They're so excited. What did you bring us? What did you bring us? And, and the reason I say that is because oftentimes uh, uh, in our relationship with Jesus, as we're a Christ followers, we're we'd be kind of bought into this Christian thing. It, it, early on in our relationship, that's kind of how it begins, isn't it? It, it, our, our relationship is a little bit immature and we're, we've kind of entered into this thing and the, the thought usually comes with, uh, what's in it for me? God, you're amazing. God, you're awesome. But God, what's, what's in it for me? And, and the problem with that is, and, and you probably know this as an adult, you've definitely figured this out, is that it is impossible to have an authentic, authentic relationship with someone from whom you're always trying to get something. It's impossible. It's impossible to have an, an authentic relationship with somebody when, when all that, that's in it is, is what can I get out of it? But that's how our relationship off, often starts. It's, it's, it's us coming to God saying, God, what's in it for me? God, you're good and God, you're great and this is all awesome, but, but what do I get out of it? And God, if you know that I'm gonna get something out of it, why can't you just give it to me now? Like, what can I get out of it? And if that's where our relationship with God stays, we're never going to fully understand who God is and, and how amazing God is and what God has, has done for us and how we can understand and receive that. You, you see, if this theological concept of God remains there, if, if it never goes past this, if, if we never understand fully to whom God is and to who Jesus is, we'll miss out on something incredible. But, but the moment that goes from our head to our hearts, something significant happens. The, the, the Apostle Paul said it this way, that the moment you begin, begin to understand who Jesus is, that you really understand who he is and what he's done for you, and that moves to your heart. It's like, it's like receiving the peace of God, the peace of God. And I, I love uh, one translation. It says the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, all human comprehension. Paul said the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. And isn't, isn't that what we want? I mean, think about it in today's world with, with all that's going on with, with COVID-19, with, with what's happening at our, our, our jobs and in, a, in the economy, with schools. I mean, isn't, isn't that what we want, a little bit of peace? And Paul would say, you can have it. It's yours. If you begin to understand truly who God is, if you connect with who God is and not just these incredible things that he's done. You see, this is where the gospel of John comes in. John, we've been following this it's an incredible story that John has written down for us. John, this gospel writer who, who sat with Jesus and talked with Jesus and experienced all these things. 
John, who followed Jesus, says, I didn't follow Jesus because of faith. I followed Jesus because of what he did. And I followed Jesus because of what I, because of what I saw and because of what, he, what I heard. Not because of, of, of faith. I didn't believe in a belief. I believed in Jesus because I saw Jesus do things that couldn't be explained. And I heard him say things that nobody else has ever said before. And he said, I want the same for you. That's why later on in his life, he, he, he's asked, I'm sure, by, by followers, John, w- w- would you tell us a little about, about Jesus? I mean, you were there. You sat with him. You talked with him. You experienced Jesus in a way that we would never experience. Tell us about Jesus. And John, as an old man, begins to recount. His life begins to recount this, these experiences with Jesus so, so, that, so that we could understand Jesus, so that we would know Jesus. And, and, and he puts his whole story around these, these, these signs, right? These events that take place, these miracles that, that, that people are, believe are miracles. And he said, these events, these incredible things, they're more than just miracles. They weren't just miracles that Jesus did. They weren't just acts of kindness. They weren't just done because he, he cared so deeply for people, which he did. He said, these, these events were signs. They were signs that pointed to someone, that pointed to, to something significant. He said, I don't want you to miss this. And these signs were pointing to the evidence. The evidence of what? The evidence of who Jesus was. They pointed to Jesus's very identity. They pointed to who Jesus was. He said, I don't want you to miss this. I I don't want you to miss this. I want you to know all of these things. Not so that you could know what Jesus did, which they they were incredible things. But I want you to know who Jesus is. Because knowing who Jesus is completely redefined his life. And he would say, that's the same thing I want for you. I want you to have that experience. I want your life to be redefined and reshaped because you know who Jesus is. John tells us at the end, he said, if I were to give you an agenda, he said, I do have one. You want to know why I'm doing what I'm doing? You want to know why I've written what I've written? You want to know why I've selected these in particular signs to talk about? He said, these things that I've written, these these signs, this evidence, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have. And you might find yourself asking, have what? That's the question. That's the question that his first century audience was trying to answer. And ultimately, I believe that's the question that we have to answer, that we wrestle with. Have what? And that's where our story is going to pick up today. We've been in this series called uh, <clears throat> Bystander. And it's all about John's experience with Jesus. And, and John develops a story around these, these seven signs. And in particular, uh, uh, the sign we're talking about today, we're in the fourth sign, and that is the, the, the sign of Jesus feeding the 5,000 plus. And we're going to explain what, what the plus is in, in just a minute, but I'll give you a little background so you can catch up with us. So if you haven't been with us for a while, let me catch you up real quick. Israel is kind of this, this long state that, state that runs kind of north to south. It's this long nation. And Jesus was down around Jerusalem. Uh, he had just performed some incredible signs. And, and he'd begin, I believe, to kind of wear out a little bit. So he and his disciples, they make this, this five to six, maybe even a seven-day journey up to the Sea of Galilee. It's kind of a remote, remote part of the Sea of Galilee. They make this long journey, 100 miles away from Jerusalem. And, and really, they're trying to get away from, from the crowds. They, they'd been surrounded by people. Jesus had been performing some incredible signs or miracles, if you will. He, he, he's done these incredible things. And they just heard that John the Baptist had been beheaded. And Jesus is I think kind of heartbroken. And I think he needed a break. He needed a break from people. Have you ever felt like you needed a break from people? My, my guess is probably not now in, in the middle of us being in a lockdown and staying at home. Maybe, maybe you can't wait to get around people. But my guess is you know what it's like to want to get away. Jesus just wanted to get away. 
So he and his disciples, they make their way up to the Sea of Galilee and they, they get in a boat and they, they go to one side of the Sea of Galilee and they get out of the boat and uh, <clears throat> Jesus and his disciples, they're about to make their way up. But, but John tells us, and this is where our story picks up, that a great crowd of people followed him. A great crowd of people followed Jesus, not because of who Jesus was. They, they followed him <clears throat> because they saw the signs that he performed by healing the sick. They were, they were chasing after this, this sign. They were chasing after these events. They were chasing after these, these tricks that Jesus was doing. Some of these people had never even seen Jesus before, but they heard, Jesus is here. He's, he's near us. He's near our region. We could get a glimpse of him. This, this man from Galilee, I mean, people are saying some incredible things. What if we could just go and we could get around him? So thousands of people begin to, to try to find Jesus so that they could hear some of the things that he was saying and, and maybe even see some of the tricks that he was performing. Many people come, Jesus and his disciples. They went up to the mountainside and they sat, they sat down. And I'm sure they're thinking, if we could just take a, just take a break, just, just get a little bit of rest. And then John tells us something in particular that's of importance to us. He says that the Jewish Passover festival was near. The Jewish Passover festival was near. And if you know much about the Passover festival, this was something that they celebrated annually as a kind of a celebration to remember what God did with the ancient Israelites, how he, he sent Moses the prophet and set them free from Egyptian captivity. And by doing so, the nation of Egypt was, was ultimately destroyed. This happened to their ancestors. And for generations and generations, they've been celebrating this in hopes of, of the new coming Messiah, the new coming prophet, the new coming savior who would set them free from their current captivity. If the first prophet set them free from, from Egypt, the next prophet could set them free from Rome. Jesus is a little worn out, a little, little frustrated. And he looks up and he sees a great, the great crowd coming toward him. And I'm sure he's thinking, really? Guys, I just wanted a break. The disciples look up and they're thinking, really? Like, we just needed a break. We're tired. We've been doing this thing. Like, we've been traveling, you know, hundreds of miles. Can we just get a break? Jesus sees them coming and he even knows why they're coming. And then he, he looks over to one of his disciples and he says something that completely shocks him, I'm sure. He looks over at Philip and he says, hey, hey Philip, F Philip, what are we going to do with all these people? W where can we get some food from them? Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? And I'm sure Philip's a little confused. Like, what do you mean buy bread to feed these people, Jesus? We don't, we don't feed people. And if you're familiar with this story, I'm guessing you've probably heard this before. And what's interesting is, is when we hear it, all the rough edges are kind of polished off and it's, you know, it's the beautiful kind of kid's cartoon version. But I, I want to be clear, no one in the story expected Jesus to feed anybody. Jesus didn't feed people. Jesus healed people. I mean, it, it, all the disciples, they're kind of expecting, okay, the people are going to come. Jesus is going to say some things that only, you know, 15% of them are going to understand. And then he's going to have to come back and he's going to try to explain to us. And we're not sure we're, we're, we're really going to understand. And maybe we'll pray for people and some people will be healed and then we'll go on our way. Nobody's expecting anybody to be fed. Hey, hey Philip, where, where can we buy some bread to feed these people? And Philip kind of responds, I, I think how we would respond, uh, like, <clears throat> Seriously? See, what's interesting, and we know this because John, from, from knowing the future, writing his, his gospel, John would say that Jesus really only did this to test him. For he already had in mind what he was going to do. Jesus wasn't expecting an answer. But Philip gave him an answer anyway. Philip answered him, he said, it would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one of these people to have a bite. Or in other words, Jesus Nowhere, 
Nowhere can we buy food for this many people. Nowhere can we get enough food. There's no restaurant around that can provide food for this many people. Like, Jesus, have you seen the amount of people that, 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 that are here that are coming to hear you? Like, nowhere can we buy this amount of food. And, and again, <coughs> there's this tension that's beginning to build because this kind of thing's unheard of. But, but I, I think uh, that there's probably some humor here because of what happens next. Another one of his disciples, a man named Andrew, another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up, finds this little boy who's kind of making his way maybe to find Jesus or maybe just to the Sea of Galilee. And he says, here, Jesus, here's a boy with five small barley loaves, that's the bread of peasants, and two small fish, which were probably pickled. But how far will they go among so many? I, I mean, that, that had to be a joke. Why else would he ask it? right? Jesus said, okay, but since we have some food, have the people sit down. And again, this is how we know the disciples, they're not expecting to feed anyone because they've never done this before. And I'm sure they're thinking, Jesus, people don't sit down if you're going to feed them with this amount of people. They don't sit down. They stand up and they make their way through a line. Jesus said, no, no, have them sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place. So they all sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Now, why would John give us that kind of detail about 5,000 men? Is it because he didn't care about the women or the children because in this culture they didn't have any significance? See, I, I don't think that was the reason. I think as we're going to see, this is foreshadowing of another part of the story that we're going to get to in a moment. John's letting us know there's about 5,000 men, and 5,000 men is the size of one Roman legion. He's basically saying, hey, guys, there's about the size of one Roman army, just with the men that are here. There's the size of one Roman army. But if you, if you were to incorporate everybody, a lot of scholars believe there's about 20,000 people. I mean, can you, just, can you imagine this? Can, can, can you see with your mind's eye what John is trying to describe and, and hear with your mind's ear what John's trying to tell us? 20,000 people make their way out to see Jesus. Jesus finds just a few pieces of bread and a few fish, and he, he sits everyone down to feed them. I mean, this is just incredible, isn't it? it, it it's magnificent. And then Jesus does something that nobody else is expecting. He, he takes these small loaves, and, and he gives thanks. He, he gives thanks. It's, it's like Jesus is expecting something. Right? He's talking to his disciples. Hey, guys, okay, we, we got the food now. Everyone, you know, close your eyes and bow your head, and we're going to pray and give thanks. I, I'll tell you this. The disciples didn't close their eyes and bow their heads and give thanks. They were, they were thinking, Jesus, what are you doing? You're, you can feed almost no one with what's here. You can feed a small boy. We have 20,000 people. Nobody's expecting Jesus to do anything, but Jesus does something out of expectation. I'm going to feed these people. I'm going to use what I have to feed them. We're going to use what we have. We're going to give thanks. And then he begins to distribute the food, right? He passes the, 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 the barley loaves to his disciples, and then he passes the fish to his disciples, and, and they begin to distribute the food to all of those who were seated. And get this, they gave them as much as they wanted. He then he did the very same thing with the fish. And these people, 20,000 people sitting on a mountainside, I mean, they have no idea what's going on, right? They don't see this commotion happening down front. Jesus, this conversation he's having with his disciples and this small boy, maybe only 13 or 14 people knew what was going on, but Jesus takes the bread and he gives thanks and he distributes it. And then he does the same with the fish. And, and, and this is the part you probably have, have heard many times before. This is the, the, the part of the story that makes it magnificent. It's odd enough that Jesus would pray and give thanks with just five pieces of bread and two fish. It's as if he's expecting, you know, food trucks to roll in and feed everybody. But no, he prays with expectation. He begins to distribute the food and people begin to eat. And when they had all had enough to eat, I mean, don't miss that part. When they had all had enough, when they ate to their fill, he said to his disciples, and I'm sure this must have taken hours to distribute this amount of food to this many people. 
He said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. Now, some people, they think that this story didn't actually happen. to kind of excuse it as being, not being a miracle. They would say, well, you know, it's people there, they, they all had their lunch with them. They came with their lunch. And when Jesus took the boys' lunch and prayed and gave thanks, and everybody was kind of inspired, and they all began to share among themselves. And, and they just kind of, whatever they didn't want to eat, that's what was left over. But, but that's not the way the gospel writer says it. So I, I would say, let's just go with the guy who was there, right? John was there. John saw, John experienced. He, he was there with this, this kind of embarrassing commotion down front. Like, we can't feed them. We, don't, we only have five pieces of bread and two fish. Like, John was there. And John says, here's what happened. He got the bread and he got the fish and he prayed and he gave thanks and they distributed it and everybody ate so much and then when they were done, we collected it all. Nothing was wasted. And John told, would tell us this. They gathered all the food that was left and they filled 12 baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves left over from those who had eaten. They filled up five baskets. I mean, that is, that is incredible. That is a, a sign if there was ever a sign. That's Jesus doing things that only Jesus can do. And after people saw the sign, after people saw what Jesus did, they began to say, they began to murmur, they began to whisper among themselves, surely, surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. Surely this is who we've been waiting for. Surely this is, this is what our ancestors talked about. This must be the man. And, and, and you can imagine they're beginning, they're beginning to get excited. They're beginning to see past the sign to the sign worker. They're beginning to see to whom the signs have always pointed. That They're beginning to understand not the stuff that Jesus is doing, but who Jesus is. And there's this excitement. There's this boldness that begins to stir up in the crowd. There's this, this uh, uh, almost like the defiance of their current situation. Like here he is, the one we've been waiting for. We were waiting for a Moses and God sent us a Moses. We were waiting for a Joshua and God sent us a Joshua. Here he is. Could this be the man? Because nobody could do what Jesus did. Right? Our ancestors, they wandered around in the desert for 40 years and God would feed them. And they only ever had enough for that day. This man comes along, this prophet, and he gives us more food than we can even eat. This man's greater than Moses. This is amazing. They're, they're expecting, they're ready for something radical to happen. I mean, they're just excited. And Jesus, he could see this, right? Jesus, knowing that they had intended to come and make him king by force. They knew what was going on. And, and you got to imagine, this is, this is why John told us about the, the 5,000 men, about the Roman legion. Jesus knows if, if I don't do something, these people are going to begin to move by force and make me king. We, we can walk off this mountainside to the Sea of Galilee with 5,000 men. By the time we, we make it to the edge of Galilee, we'll double, double the numbers. There'll be 10,000 men. The whole nation will, will begin to stir. There'll be this uproar, this, this revolt. People are going to get excited. They're going to rally behind us. By the time we get halfway to Jerusalem, we'll have tripled in size. By the time we get to the gates of Jerusalem, we'll have the size of four Roman legions. We will overthrow Rome and we'll take back our city and they'll crown me as king. And Jesus said, that's not the way it's supposed to happen. There, there would come a day when Jesus would march his disciples through the, the, the gates of Jerusalem on a Passover, but it wasn't going to be this Passover. He, he would march his way through the gates of Jerusalem on a Passover, but, but it would not be to be coronated as king. It would be to be crucified as a sinner, of which he was not. Jesus said, this isn't the way it's supposed to happen. So, so he quickly he kind of rallies his guys. He says, all right, guys, I, I need you. We need to leave. We need, to, we need more space between, from us and this crowd. 
and, and the, the, the text that, that's actually used, it's almost like he manhandles his disciples and he kind of gathers them up and he pushes them on a boat and he says, no, no, we need to get out of here. Don't get any ideas. Guys, don't get any ideas. This isn't happening. It's not happening like this and it's not happening now. now get in the boat and go to the other side of the sea and, and I'll meet you over there. And he kind of pushes his disciples off and he makes his way around the Sea of Galilee. I'm sure to get some space to think about what's happening, to process what's going on. He makes it to the other side, to, to the Sea of Galilee. And, and <clears throat> when he gets over there, he, he, the crowd continues to follow like, like they always do. And they don't understand that in this moment, Jesus is, is, is going to do something to, to, to kind of thin the crowd. Because for, for this, for the crowd, they've come kind of like, like, like we do, kind of like little kids do when, when their parents come home. Hey, Jesus, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? What's in it for me? Jesus, we just saw you do something. We saw this sign. Jesus, what's in it for me? And Jesus, there's this tension that's now being created in this crowd. See, they're seeking the sign, but they're losing focus on who the signs are pointing to. And I think this speaks to us. If you've ever found yourself, maybe you used to go to church and you don't go to church anymore. Maybe Maybe you heard this from people. Maybe this wasn't you, but somebody else used to go to church and they don't go anymore. They say things like this. I, I gave up on faith. I gave up on church because I wasn't getting anything out of it. You know, I used to go, but I wasn't getting anything out of it. I used to give, but I'm not getting anything out of it anymore. I, I, used, to, I used to sit in front, but I didn't get anything out of it. You see, if, if that's our attitude, then this, this whole understanding of Jesus hasn't gone from our, our head to our heart. We, we still see him as, as just the miracle, as just the, as just the person who, who does the signs and the signs are what's important. And, and, and Christianity only has value, following Christ only has value when, when I can get something out of it, when, when I know what's in it for me. And Jesus said, if, if that's where, where it ends, then you've missed the whole point. You see, what, what happens to these people is, is what happens to, to a lot of us. When what's in it for them isn't there anymore, they leave. And that's exactly what's going to happen to the crowd. The, the crowd comes to Jesus, and Jesus is, is about to thin, the, thin them out. He's about to, to kind of thin the herd. They find him on the other side of the lake, John tells us. They find him on the other side, and, and, and they ask him. Somebody from the crowd kind of speaks up. Hey, Rabbi, when did you get here? And I mean, imagine this. They're, they're talking to Jesus. They just saw him do these incredible things and they asked that question. I'm sure Jesus is thinking, when did I get here? You know when I got here. You followed me here. Like, I know why you're here. Let's just, let's just get to the point. And that's exactly what, what he does. He gets right to their point and, and I think he gets right to our point, right to our struggle, right to our tension. He looks at the crowd who, who made their way to find Jesus and he says, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. Don't miss this. He says, you're looking for me because you're hungry. Because you, you had some food and it was great and you just want more food. You just want more signs. You just want to keep, keep hey, hey, what's in it for me? What did you bring me? What did you bring me? What did you get me? What did you get me? How do I get what I want? How do I get what I want? He said, your, your relationship with me up to this point is very shallow. And if, and if you can't see past these things that I'm doing, if you can't see to whom these signs are being performed, he said, you're going to miss it. And the crowd, that's why they gathered. Jesus, we want more. Show us another trick. Jesus, do what I want you to do. Jesus, do my agenda. And when you do the things that I want to do, maybe then I'll believe in you. Have we ever treated God that way? God, I'll believe if you do what I want you to do. 
We're going to talk on that more next week, so I don't want to get into it too much, but, but I think that's where some of our relationship with God kind of ends, isn't it? God, I'll only do this if you're willing to do what I want you to do. But, but when you're not, when what I get, when, when I get out of this ends, I'm out. Jesus looked at the crowd and he says, you're here because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. You're here because you simply just want more. Now imagine this. They're sitting on the Sea of Galilee, face to face with the light of the world. And all they can think about is their appetite. All they can think about is what meal is coming next. They've completely lost the point. They've completely missed the signs. And then Jesus was saying, he says, guys, that, that's not why I'm here. He said, listen, don't work. Don't spend all of your life. Don't spend all of the hours in the day. Don't spend all of your week or all of your years. Don't work and don't toil. Don't, don't, don't invest everything you have. Don't always think about. Don't work for the food that spoils. He said, but work for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man, hey guys, that's me, will give you. Don't spend all your time chasing after another need. Don't chase all the time chasing after, after the, what's next and, and what's in it for me and what's new and, 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 and when do I get what I want? When do I get what I want? When do I get what I want? He said, don't miss who the signs are pointing to because the, 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 that person, me, can give you the things that never spoil, the things that will endure for forever. And the, and the people, they respond to Jesus. The, the people look at him and say, well, Jesus... And they learned this from their ancestors, right? Jesus, what sign will you give me? What sign will you give that we may see it and we may believe it? Like, like we started to see it a minute ago. We started to see when, when you fed us with, with just those few fish and, and, and the few loaves of bread. Jesus, we, we, we started to experience maybe perhaps who you were, but we need another trick. We need another sign. So Jesus, it's back on you. What will you do for us? Jesus, What's in it for me? Jesus, what do I get? Jesus, when are you going to do what I want you to do? So I, here, here's a great sign, Jesus. This kind of popped into our heads. You know, our, our ancestors, when they were in the, in the desert, when God was with them, with, with Moses, our, our ancestors, they ate manna in the wilderness. And Jesus is thinking, here it is. Right back to food. You can't see past your stomachs. You can't see past your appetites that, that are never fully satisfied. You're just going to want more and you're going to want more and you're going to want more. But you've missed the reason of why I came. I mean, let me ask you this. When you're in the presence of greatness, when you're in the presence of somebody that you admire, say it's an, an inventor or an entrepreneur or a CEO or <clears throat> you know, maybe a world-famous physician or surgeon, maybe it's an athlete or a politician, whoever, whoever it might be that you admire. You're sitting before some incredible piece of human history, just a person that has so much significance and so much worth in your eyes. What do you do in that conversation? Do you just begin to ask for things? Well, what can I do for you? Well, you know, could you, could you, you know, show me how to do this? Could you give me this? Can, you know, sitting before Steve Jobs, he's, Jim, what can I do for you? Can you get me the new iPhone? Can you get me a new cover for the iPhone? Like, like can you get me? Can, can you do this for me? Like, No. When you're sitting before someone who has incredible value, what do you do? You begin to ask questions. You begin to treat it as an experience that you may never experience again. What can I learn from you? How can I understand you? you you're something significant in, in, in my life and, and in history. I, I want to know about you and I want to know how you did what you did. 
You begin to ask questions. You don't say, hey, what's in it for me? What do I get? What did you bring me? What did you bring me? These people are sitting on a mountainside with a sea of Galilee behind them and the light of the world before them. And all they can do is think about their stomachs. And he says, guys, you've missed the point. Right? He would say this, which I think he would say to you and I think he would say to me, like, are you only in this for the food? Are we just in this for the food? Are we in this, this relationship? Are we in this, this Christian thing? Are we following Christ only for what we get out of it? Is our time with God spent saying, saying here's, here's my grocery list of needs. God, do this, do this, do this. And oh yeah, while you're at it, give me this as well. Or is there something more? Do we understand who Jesus is and what he's done? And, and more than that, even what he wants us to do. Are we just in this for the food? Guys, I, I, I can't explain this enough. This group of people, as we find out later, if you read through the rest of John chapter 6, as this group of people begins to hear this, they, they begin to get turned off. And John would tell us that many, many people unfollowed Jesus that day. The crowds immediately thinned and went home because the magician stopped doing the magic. There was nothing else in it for them. And when, things, when the things that Jesus was doing wasn't for them anymore, they were out. But some of them got it. And some of them said, Jesus, you are so much more than just the signs. You're so much more than just the miracles. There's so much more to you. And that's what I want. And these people got it. And these people changed the world. I say this all the time, but those who followed Jesus in the first century, they helped shape Western civilization. They helped shape the world that we're in today because they were willing to love the way God asked them to love. They were willing to do what God asked them to do. They forgave because they were forgiven. They loved because God loved them first. They, they, they were all of this, this others firsting, right? They would just do whatever they could for others. It was always others first, others first, others first. And it changed the world. Guys, this is no small thing to which we've been invited. Jesus extended an invitation to us. Would you come and would you follow me? And would you love people the way that I loved you? And when you do that, guys, it changes the world. I mean, th think about this. Think if every American over these next few weeks, you know, we're all kind of locked in our homes. We're not working. Maybe some of us are, are taking care of our kids and homeschooling. What if every American for just the next two weeks, if every Christian American for the next two weeks said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to love like Jesus asked me to love. I'm going to put others first like Jesus asked me to put others first. I'm going to forgive those who have wronged me, even though they've never asked for forgiveness. I'm going to care for my neighbor and I'm going to find a way to share and to be generous with them. Like God shared his own son with me and was generous with me. I'm going to love them the way like God asked me to love them, the way that Christ loved me. I'm going to put other people first. Well, what if, what if we began to treat people that way? What if as Christians in America, for the next two weeks, we just began to put other people first? In, in the midst of all this chaos, in the midst of all this panic that's going on in the world, what if we said, no, we have the hope. We have the, we have the hope. We have the peace. We have the generosity. We have the love. And we'll share it with everyone else. Not because we're getting something out of it, but because the most important thing in the world, Jesus, shared it with us first. Guys, that kind of change would be felt all across our nation. And it could change the world again, just like it did. Jesus was looking at that audience saying, guys, you don't realize what you're a part of. You're a part of a story, a story that's going to well surpass you. For 2,000 years, people will be reading about this. You're a part of a revolution 
Look past the signs. Look past the things that you could get out of it. And look at the sign maker. Look at whom the signs are pointing. Don't miss this. John's pleading with us. Guys, don't miss your Savior. Don't miss Jesus in all of this amazing that he's doing. Don't miss him. Jesus was really just looking at his crowd and he was asking them a question that I think he's asking you and I think he's asking me. He said, yeah, all these signs are great, but, but let me ask you this. Who do you believe that I am? Who do you believe that I am? Am I just the magician? Am I just the, the, the rabbi who does cool tricks? Or could I be the son of God, the Messiah? John would tell us, that's exactly who I believe he is. I saw what Jesus did. I heard what Jesus said. And my only conclusion at the end of that was to put my faith in him as my Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. It is impossible to have an authentic relationship with someone from whom you're always trying to get something. It's impossible. Christians, I, I hope that's not where our relationship is. I hope that's not where you are. If it is, let this message be inspiration to seek the sign maker, to seek whom the signs point to. Go, go past <clears throat> this connection with God that's all about what you get out of it. This relationship with God that's, hey, hey, hey God, when I pray, hey, dear Heavenly Father, God, you're awesome, you're great. Now, now, now here's what I want. Here's what I need. Here's my laundry list of, of items that I need you to fulfill. What, what if we took that time we said, hey, Heavenly Father, I, you know, every time I come to you with, with, with this relationship the way it is. I come with a grocery list of needs, and we're going to put that to the side. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, would you use me? Heavenly Father, would you use my hands? Would you use my feet? Would you use the things that you've given me and show me how to use them for others? I, I, am, I am wholly available to you. Or in the words of Jesus, Heavenly Father, not my will, but thy will be done. Heavenly Father, not what I want, not the new things, not, not, not the, the, the next thing, not my will, but your will. Let that be done. I want my relationship to go past just seeking what's next for me. And I want to make myself available to you, God. Use me to help those around me. Use me to bless those around me. Use me to bring love to those who need it. Heavenly Father, use me. And when that idea of Jesus goes from our head to our heart, we begin to experience a peace that only God can provide. We begin to experience a love that only comes from God. Because it is impossible to have an authentic relationship with someone from whom you're always trying to get something. John would say it like this at the end of his gospel. He would say, here's, here's why I want you to know this. Here's why I want you to see past the signs to whom the signs pointed to. These things are written that you may believe. I want you to believe, not so that you can get something out of it. I want you to believe in, in whom you are dealing with and whom this is all about. I want you to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing that, you may have. And here's the thing. It's so much better than lunch. It's so much better than a new iPhone or the new thing that you're always asking for. He said, you may have life in his name. And what is life in his name? Life in his name is living like our life isn't bookended with our birth and our death. Life in his name is living as if there's more to this life than just this life. 
and that God could use me, God could use you, God could use us in this life to do something that would echo throughout eternity. That by showing love and by forgiving and, and by caring for others first, they might be impacted by the goodness and the kindness and the love and the grace of Jesus and those who follow him. And they might want to know why. And they might believe and they might experience life in his name. John said, that's why I've written all this. So you would believe that Jesus is who he says, so that you would recognize to whom you're dealing with, that it is bigger than every sign and it is bigger than every event. You're dealing with the son of God, my Messiah. And when you believe that, you will receive life. Life that goes beyond this life. Life everlasting. And you'll want others to experience it too. Because I can't think of a more appropriate message for where we're at in our current situation. Yes, we're home. Yes, we're locked up. Yes, there's some chaos and there's some panic. But for those of us who follow Christ, there are peace. For those of us who trust Jesus for who he is and for what he's done, there's peace. And we can be instruments. We can be bringers of that peace, bringers of that love, bringers uh, of that, that kind of, uh, of new, new thinking that you matter and that what you're do, going through matters. And we want you to experience the same peace. And we want you to experience the same love. And we want you to experience the same joy that we experience through Jesus. That's my prayer for you. That as you're sitting at home and as you're watching and as you're going through your next week, that you would remember to whom we're dealing with. This isn't the, 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 the magician rabbi to perform another trick for us, to just fulfill our list of needs and demands and wants. This is Jesus, our Messiah, the Son of God. And in him, there is life. That's my prayer for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for another opportunity, God, to speak from your word, to, to, to encourage us, God. I, I pray that, that those of us who maybe have been on this edge of teetering, Lord, what's in it for us, what's in it for us, that, that at this moment, God, we would see that, that maybe there's something more to this relationship than just what's in it for me. Maybe there, there's more to Jesus than just the signs. God, I pray that we would see that. I pray you'd give us the wisdom to recognize that and the courage to take a step deeper into our relationship, Lord, to grow in our relationship with Jesus your son, and our savior, our Messiah. In his name I pray, amen. Journey, I love you, and there is nothing you can do about it. I know you're at home, but I pray you have an amazing week. I pray that you, you would even this week recognize more of who God is and who Jesus is, and you would find ways to bring that life and bring that peace and bring that joy into the world around you. Have a great week, and I'll see you next week online for Bystander Part 5. God bless.